Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. with Pastor Steph. How are you this morning? That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. For this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So, where were you yesterday? Ah, yesterday was a wow Wednesday. And we got started with our girlfriend, Vivian, as she talked about the bottled water. Oh, I'm sure by now this is everybody's socially conscious issue. The issue of this nanoplastics, mono, mini, mini, whatever, 24,000 plastic particles practically in every single bottle of water that would, you know, just mess up your bloodstream, inflammation, your metabolism, possibly cause cancer, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, autoimmune conditions, rheumatoid arthritis, stroke, and who in the world knows what else. This is in our bottled water. Now, here's what hit me yesterday. We've only been talking about this since yesterday, but I'm sure everybody has pretty much heard this before yesterday. But the scarier part was, for me, I only thought of the individual bottled water. Do you realize that we also buy water by the gallons? Now, if we got thousands of particles, some plastic particles, in a small bottle water, I think it's 16.9 ounces, what in the world is floating around in our gallons? Now, I'm hoping that those numbers are gallons that they're talking about, not our small ones, because, I mean, we... I don't know what we're going to do. All I can say is, like I said yesterday, you better give that body to the Lord. 
He says, make your body a living sacrifice unto me. Man, that's the only way you're going to make it through, is if you give this body to the Lord. Because I don't know anybody who's drinking tap water these days unless it's via a filter. And I don't even know if filtered water is good, because last I heard, it wasn't as good as bottled water. So... I, I don't know one person who's willing to even go back if they are drinking bottled water, if they're not doing the, you know, during the purification thing on their, um, on their, what do you call it, on their water faucet, if they're even willing to go back to that. Oh, my goodness. Well, 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 what else did we talk about? Vivian had not one, not two, but three Wow, Wednesday stories yesterday. And one of the stories is about the groom that killed the four people at his wedding reception, including his 44-year-old bride. Her mama, the sister, and somebody else, it, it just a mess on top of a mess and no real rhyme or reason as to why but they do say he's he was intoxicated now i i mean i didn't see a whole lot of drunk i mean drunk people over my lifetime and i have never ever witnessed someone who can put the blame of murder that's a personal thing. Like I said, that's only what I've seen. But, yeah, he did. He did, and he did. And it's scary to know that, you know, this woman set up to marry him and never saw past her wedding day. Wow. Wow and wow. You know, we just got finished talking about, a little side side action here. We just got finished talking about Taj and Essence on Kingdom Business and how, you know, on his wedding day, he found out that the baby that, you know, his fiance bride-to-be was, ex- you know, was expecting was not his. And he found that on the day of, right before they was getting ready to walk down that aisle. And I guess we should be happy that he didn't shoot her, huh? That's just a little side note. That's just a little side note, just a little side note, just a little, you know, food for thought, just food for thought. Well, we got to talking about the dum-dums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some men, some men are the biggest dum-dums you'll ever meet. And... You know, the question is, what's wrong with them? What's wrong with the men of today? And women took the time to list eight things that they cannot stand about a man. And, boy, were they interesting. They said they don't like men who think they know everything. But do you really like anybody who thinks they know any everything? Yeah, I don't think I don't think that hits the Richter list for anybody. I think most people that's just a turn off period. But especially a man, you know, you're a man who don't know anything. And uh, well, the next thing they listed was a man who never apologizes. And 
you know, I'm going to tell you something. If it's a man who never apologizes, that's also a man who thinks they know everything. So automatically you got two strikes against you. I don't know if you're counting, but I'm counting, and that's, you know, that's my tally right now. That's two tick marks automatically. What else did they say? They said that they can't stand a man who degrades her or women in general. And we spoke about this 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 B word that women have despised. But some women think it's okay. You know, they'll tell you, it don't bother me. I know I'm not no, you know, so-and-so. And, you know, I also brought up the fact that, you know, there are women who will watch and listen to their man talk about his ex um, like it's nothing and call her all kinds of names and stuff. Well, guess what? Maybe you will be the ex and he'll be talking about you like that because I'm sure she didn't think that she would be the ex and he'd be talking about her like that. Mm. So, you know, I think it's just as bad if you let her, you know, uh, let him talk about her like that. I don't care what he says she is or what she supposedly did, especially ladies, and I'm going to end it on this note, as Especially if that's the mama of his children. Woo! Mm, yeah. If he could talk about the mother of his children like that, then God only knows what he could say about you. And you could say, I'm not like her. And I, I get it. Trust me. I get it. But I promise you one thing. You, you ain't far off the Richter scale. You know, Demand and command the respect. Demand that he does not speak about that woman, you know, negatively in your presence. You know, if you want to listen to some of the things that happen, you know, there's a whole difference between just kind of telling the story and degrading her. It's a whole big difference. So, you know, you be that that stand-up woman. You speak up for women, period. White, black, brown, green, orange, alien, Women of the sea, mermaids, it don't matter. Just stand tall. Stand tall for the women, okay? All right. Well, that's how we spent our morning. That's how we spent our morning yesterday, our wow morning. Well, today, today is Therapeutic Thursday. Yes, today we talk about our Men. You hear what I'm talking about? Our men. Our, our, our health. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm already into Friday's thoughts. Oh, the day we talk about our health, whether it's our physical health, our emotional health, our mental health, our spiritual health, our financial health, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay? We are talking about it today. Now, I'm going to give you a chance to go get that healthy breakfast. I'm going to give you a chance to go and tell somebody that it's due time with Pastor Steph is on. And whatever you do, don't go anywhere because we will be right back. It's been said that knowledge is power. So know this. 
you can prevent cervical cancer by getting screened. How's that for powerful? Take control of your health. And, you know, things like that. And uh, 
they say that uh, mm, that might be a better alternative. Well, no. They said that they have found that those bottles, now let me help you understand and reiterate what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those reusable bottles that are metal. You know, sometimes they're metal on the outside, metal on the inside. Sometimes they have a nice little outside and they have the metal on the inside. Yeah, those. That bacteria and mold are all over those things. And that moist water bottle is the perfect environment for them to kind of live and survive. Now they're saying this is gonna be a little bit. Now I, I'm going to, I did the reading for you. You can go back and read if you want to, but I, I didn't. Did. I'm doing it for you now. They say, and I, I quote: "The same way that reusing a water glass on your bedside table may not get you sick, the risk that any significant bacterial exposure has developed is low. However." It is not zero, especially if the water bottle is not cleaned <clears throat> for some time, excuse me, as bacteria and other pathogens can build up. Now, the question is, can you get sick from your reusable water bottle? They say that microbiologists have studied and they have found that Although we can we can't get sick from stuff that's already in our bodies, we can get sick from what we take into our bodies from those bottles. They say that because those reusable bottles go where we go, the gym, the office, when you refill the water bottle at a shared tap at the gym, and I've seen people do this, so it's not like they're making this up, you're exposed to, and that water bottle is exposed to bacteria and viruses from someone else's mouth. Now, it's funny because it's been a gazillion years since I have drank from a public fountain. And even when I would see them at the gym, like refilling them and figuring, okay, if I just put it in the bottle, directly in the bottle, I'm safe. That in actuality, you're not really safe because (laughs) they say that it carries the same way. The bacteria and viruses carry the same way. And I'm going to read you a lot of this today because it's just too much for me to kind of cram. I just found this at about 5 o'clock this morning. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to read it. It says, bacteria can form a biofilm, which is what happens when bacteria attaches itself to a special kind of sugar and starts to form a colony with other bacteria leading to that slimy layer you might see <clears throat> excuse me in your water bottle 
when it hasn't been cleaned recently. Ingesting the bacteria can lead to developing gastrointestinal problems or respiratory issues. They say one way of getting sick from your water bottle is to, oh, I'm sorry, one way to avoid getting sick from your water bottle is to only refill it at home instead of a public tap or water fountain and you clean it first. Clean it first. Okay, they say the water fountain at the gym has been found to be full of bacteria. Now, mold, Uh, uh, uh. they say hmm, mold is a category of fungus that loves damn places, as we know, with limited airflow, like your water bottle. So if you don't wash the water bottle, mold can and will build up over time, and that will definitely lead to health issues. They say that the CDC says that mold exposure can cause a stuffy nose, sore throat, coughing or wheezing, burning eyes or skin rash, and can have a bigger impact excuse me, on those with asthma or people who are allergic to mold. Now, they say that they followed a a woman out in Georgia who went viral after she put on TikTok that she ended up in the hospital with bronchitis from drinking from a moldy water bottle. She didn't know. She said she didn't know she drank from this moldy water bottle. And they say that, yes, it can happen. And it's much more common to see bronchitis from mold in humidifiers where they are not maintained and cleaned properly as well. So those of you who have those humidifiers, you got to make sure they're clean because you're going to be inhaling that mold and all of that kind of stuff as well. Oh, boy. They're saying that (laughs) drinking water from a moldy, one of those um, containers, is like drinking water from a stagnant pool of water. Oh, my goodness. They say that if you drink from that water bottle that is carrying mold, you run the risk of diarrhea, upset stomach, um, and they say um, certain organisms finding your finding its way into your bloodstream and spreading to other parts of your body. Now, how often do you need to wash your water bottle? Now, for me, all the time. But let's see what they say. Uh, They say make sure that water bottles are treated like any other container that we use our food or beverages in and put our mouths to. And hmm, remembering that bacteria and mold require very little to grow, they said you should clean your water bottle 
consistently with hot water and soap. And they're saying at the bare minimum, at least once a day. All right. Now, remember, at home, don't wash it in the public place. Wash it in the home. They say that it's important to get all the crevices, which is why, you sh- you know, you're investing in the water bottle in the first place. So go out and get a bottle brush cleaner that's able to get inside of those um, bottles and you can scrub them. They say if there's a funky odor in your water bottle, don't use bleach. Instead, soak it in baking soda or vinegar. I, I have told I, God must have designed and created vinegar and baking soda because when I tell you they they bring those two things up to clean and sanitize and disinfect everything, baking soda and vinegar are always on the list. That must be God's creation. They say, in closing, the important, and I'm going to read it, the important thing is that you don't let your reusable water bottles sit for too long without a proper cleaning. Uh, If you need motivation, imagine how you'd feel finding slimy biofilm inside your bottle or mold around the lid. Make sure you clean your water bottle on a regular basis. Oh, boy. That was like a big read for me. That was crazy. That was straight crazy for me last night. Um, This morning, rather. Because I'm like, really, now, now we're really at what do you do? What do you do? Well... If you've opted to um, use your, you know, tin, that's what I call it, that tin water bottle, make sure you keep it safe. Now, considering that you probably only leave the house and go back once, you know, when you get home, just if you refill it. But my thing is, where are you refilling it from if they're saying if you refill it from the tap or... um you know, or, or a water fountain is going to bring up the, you know, germs, the bacteria and all of that stuff. So is that really going to be a good alternative? At least with the water bottle, you drink it, you get rid of it, and keep it about going about your day. Mm. All righty, y'all. We got time for one more recall. <laughs> we started off Monday with some recalls. And here we are again with some recalls, and hot sauce is on the menu. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Well, unfortunately, this particular recall can be life-threatening. So, why are they recalling hot sauce? Well, the company's Benny T's Vesta Dry Hot Sauce Ghost the one-and-a-half-ounce glass jar, Benny T's Vesta Dry Hot Sauce Hot, same size, 1.5 ounce, 
Benny T's Vesta Dry Hot Sauce Reaper. Are people really eating hot sauce at this magnitude? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Benny T's Vesta Dry Hot Sauce Scorpion. Benny T's Vesta Dry Hot Sauce Very Hot have all been recalled because they contain undeclared wheat. And people who have an allergy or severe sensitivity to wheat run the risk of serious or life-threatening allergic reaction if they consume this hot sauce. And what happened was the recall took place when they found out that the labels did not include the fact that there was wheat or wheat flour inside of this recipe that they've used. And because of that, people could possibly die based on their allergic um, reaction level. So, as always, they say that if you have this, you know, take it back, get your money back, or throw it away. They say that the recall is in New York, New Jersey, Florida, California, Virginia, and Texas. Now, they've got another issue with the hot sauce. They're saying in Florida, Texas, and California, the FDA recalled um, Melissa's kimchi over concerns that it contained fish and did not state so on its label. In Virginia, the FDA announced that soybean sprouts, mm, due to possible contamination by listeria, uh, was in that same Melissa's kimchi. So you've got two recalls here. You've got the hot sauce recall, and that's pretty much anything that's made by this Benny T's hot sauce. You've got Melissa's, let me get the name right, Melissa's kimchi, because it didn't have fish on the label, and... The soybean sprouts have listeria, have been found to have listeria. Oh, my goodness gracious. We're just going to either die of, of starvation because we ain't going to be able to eat anything, or either we're going to die from what we eat. It is just, this is just a lot, y'all. It's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot. So I personally, they say this was recalled in New York. I have never seen or heard of this. Benny teas, and as a person who has an allergy, you don't want to eat anything that does not list your allergen, because again, you don't know how that's going to affect you. So, wheat, soybean has listeria, and the fish have been left off the um, labels. 
All right, y'all, what are we talking about today? Like I said, I didn't have a whole lot of good news. So I'm going to try to pull out the stuff that might be a little interesting. All right. So I'm sure if you've looked at any kind of news last week, you saw a picture of this guy in court who did not like what the judge said, and he went leaping over the bench. Yeah, and just, I mean, I don't know. It looked like he was a trampoline that was so high. Well, Deobra mm-hmm. Redden is who we're talking about. And I didn't, I really didn't bring this, this story last week because I was like, okay, listen, I ain't, you know, everybody's seen this already because it was everywhere. And I mean everywhere. It was everywhere two or three times. But I am following up, and that's what I will do with some stories. I know it's going to be something that's going to come later, and I just wait. So today is the day that I will talk about it. Well, again, out in Nevada, he jumped over the bench to get out of, um, to get at the judge, and so now, needless to say, he's got a whole lot of other charges that he's faced with, including battery on a protected person resulting in substantial bodily harm and battery by a prisoner. So that is actually a charge all by itself. Now, the court clerk claims that they were the ones who really was able to assist when he jumped over the um, the bench to get to the um, the judge, this Michael Lasso, who's 27 years old, he said he came to the aid of the judge. He said he thought that when he hopped over the desk, he was going for the door. He thought he was just going to run. But he didn't realize that he was going to charge at the judge. Well, they say that he was sentenced by that judge this week to 19 to 48 months in prison on a felony battery charge from a baseball bat incident last year. Now, the judge was going to inform him of his punishment on the 3rd last week before the um <laughs> the leap took place. Now, mm-mm. They said that when he took the leap and got hold of the judge, he pulled out part of her hair. Mm, and it was, they said, a lot of blood. So I don't know whose blood it was. I don't know if it was her blood or his blood because they don't say. But they said that she said he is big, strong, and angry. And that's what she gave him. On Monday, and I have to say that's still lenient in compared to what another judge judge would have given him. Because can I promise y'all, it would have been no four years. Now, now I don't know if they're going to do you know push this thing and and go for another sentencing, but <clears throat> excuse me, from what I'm reading in this article, she only gave him 19 to 48 months. And and that was from 
you know, what he did before. Now, I don't know if she included whatever, a couple of extra months, but it wouldn't have been no 19 or 48 months. Oh, he would have served some time. He would he would have known what it was like to jump. Yeah, that that there that was that was pretty severe. You you pulled, you got an opportunity to pull out some of her hair. Man, I know that had to be pretty painful. Mm. All right, what else are we talking about here? Cuz I am again so not interested in a lot of this news. Ah. So we all know here in New York, we talked about this before, how um, Adams gave them the okay, him and Hochul, gave them the okay to open up this like 1,600-bed shelter, this tent city out at Floyd Bennett Field. And, you know, they had to evacuate because of the bad weather, because needless to say, it was not ready for that particular um, weather we experienced. Now, they took them to a nearby high school. Well, you know what ended up happening. They're in an uproar over there because what they had to do was immediately they had to put the on remote learning. And that was the only thing they could do because you're not going to, they didn't want to just cancel school. And (laughs) they could not share the school, needless to say, with the people. Now, it was weird because, at least weird to me, because they were, the article I read the other day said that they were evacuating the premises but they were taking them back at 5 o'clock in the morning because the children who, <clears throat> excuse me, the children who had to go to school in that migrant crowd, I guess they had to be picked up to go to school. So this is just, I mean, and was that really going to happen? That was my question. You, How would that happen? Because now you've got 16, 1,900 people to now accommodate everybody got to get in the showers everybody goes got to go to the bathroom everybody's got to do all of this stuff so were you really going to send those kids to school the next day like that to me it was no more prepared than you were to let the kids in the school who were attending the school that you evac you know you put the kids you put the families in so this james madison high school was used as the temporary overnight respite center. And the parents are, and the council people are in an uproar because they're saying, what's going to happen going forward? Which is, an, which is a, I mean, it's, it's a reasonable question because that's what came to my mind, and I'm sure all of your minds. Okay, so now you have this emergency quote-unquote plan, but where are you going to, Send them the next time because we've got an upcoming storm that they're anticipating, and we haven't really spent any real like wintry. We haven't had a real wintry experience, so they're saying that this is unacceptable. 
This is not a sustainable housing facility, which we have talked about at nauseum. And one woman even yelled at the bus driver, you know, how do you feel now that you kicked our kids out of school? I mean, what are you talking to the bus driver for? The bus driver ain't got nothing to do with it. Just doing their job. So I'm interested in what Mayor Adams has to say. Although it probably won't hit anywhere. But mm, he's in this article, they don't have a real quote from him. They have a quote from his office. And they're not saying much. Um, this is a mess. This is a big mess. Now, they did in this article address the fact that, and I'm sure all of you have heard, that there is a lawsuit that is pending from uh, Mayor Adams, and that's $700 million that he wants from the transportation companies who are dropping off these migrants. Mm-mm-mm. And, you know, the, the governor of Texas is standing his ground. He was like, listen, the bottom line is... Mm, we are getting it more than you. If you think you're at 120, 122,000, we're getting it worse because we're at the border. We're at the border of, you know, where these people are coming from. And in order to get them off of my back, I'm sending them out. So whether you like it or not, you take it up with Washington. Mm. So this is this is this is a nasty battle. And we have not heard much from Washington, and I don't think they've heard much from Washington. I think they've just thrown them a couple of dollars and expected them to shut up and be done with it. Mm, I don't know. What y'all think? Okay, what other boring stories do we have today? Mm. Oh, I do want to talk about this one. We talk about this all the time. So you may have heard of this one as well. There's this 71-year-old serial bank robber who they just caught. So out in Southern California, they arrested this 71-year-old convicted serial bank robber after he stole $64,000 in cash from a bank out in L.A., now, they say that he was by himself on December 21st of 23 during his robbery. He entered the um, bank and he told the employee that she better open up this door and if she didn't, he would shoot her. He then... When he got inside, he spoke to another employee and told that employee to fill the bag with the money, and if they didn't do it, he was going to shoot them. Well, he did end up getting out of the um, out of the bank, but okay, so now you just put him in dum dum criminal list. He had on a pair of dark sunglasses, 
a black ski mask, a black hat, and a gray scarf over a black jacket with huge orange stripes. They're actually showing this um, this picture. And the, the huge, huge orange stripes. So they say someone called 911, and they said that they watched him drive off in a 2002 silver Volvo sedan. Well, not too far. They did stop him at a traffic stop. And they detained him only to find in the car all of that stuff and the $64,000 in cash. Now, <laughs> they in, they arrested him for kidnapping. They booked him. And they showed that he had just served. He just got out of jail in 2021, July. And he had more than 40 years in jail. Now, we always talk about when these people spend a long amount of time in jail. They're like, well, they'll be 70 or they'll be 80. You know, what they're going to do? They can't do much, you know. Well, he didn't just prove that that's wrong. You spent over 40 years in jail for bank robbery. And you come out and do the same thing? Yo. So that means that some people just, they, they just will never learn. You 71 and you now going back to jail pretty much for the rest of your life. Because I'm sure they're not going to give him no one or two years for this. He, he's going back. So he went in with his, you know, stuff on. I don't know. I do not know. Well, let me speak to my two-time crew, because I don't want to talk about any of these stories anymore. Let's say good morning to our girl, Tamika. Good morning, Tamika. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm okay, thanks. I didn't got much to talk about this morning. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. That's good, that's good. All right, so you can give me a little feedback on some of this uh, news here. We've got, I don't know if we even want to talk about them having to uh, evacuate because we didn't talk about that 100 times already. So you can either talk about the 71-year-old serial bank robber or the one who leaped over the judge's bench to get at her. Which one you want to talk about? I'm going to talk about um, the flying trapezes without the trapeze. <laughs> right. You know, I, I, to be honest, when I looked at it, you know, you couldn't see from the video that he actually pulled her hair out. You know, and mm-hmm. honestly, when I first looked at it, you know, I trivialized it. I laughed because I thought it was funny. Just the, you know, the, the, the flinging of his entire body. He literally leaped over the, 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 um, the doorway, you know. And, and, and I kind of compared that to the incident in Alabama when 
you know, we had the chair and the water incident when, you know, bodies are flinging into the water, you know. So it was just, you know, I looked at it and I thought it was funny, but, like, you pulled the hair out of this woman's head. Like, I'm going to get at you. You may put me in jail, but I'm going to get at you. The mentality of that, you know, and, and we can even look at that in, in everyday life. Like, it doesn't matter. We Many stories, countless stories that we've gotten into that says, it doesn't matter what the end result is, I'm going to get at you. And to that degree, I don't care who's in this office. I don't care if they got a gun. I don't care if they shoot me. I don't care if my end, if my life ends, but I'm going to get something at you. I'm going to scratch you. I'm going to pull your hair out. You know, I'm just like, oh, that type of mentality, you know, despite the cost, I'm going to get at you. That's mm-hmm. a very scary thing. Mhm, mhm. And you should have seen them um, taking him back into court. They had um, one of those nets over his face. <laughs> they had him uh, handcuffed, and I do believe he was shackled. So they are not taking any more chances with him. So his days of walking up into the courthouse uh, without any restriction is null and void. That's gone. So, yeah, that that's a lot to do. That that's a lot to do um, you know, to somebody. And I don't know why you didn't think that was going to make it better. That wasn't going to make it better for you. That that really was going to do nothing else but make it worse. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. he got he got what he wanted. He got what he wanted. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and let you talk about this uh 71-year-old bank robber because we're always talking about the amount of time that they spend and sometimes we've seen these sentences 50 years, 60 years which would get these people out you know at 75, 80 and we're like well you know that's enough time because they can't do much else. What do you think about this? He out 2021 after serving 40 over 40 years and here it is 2023 and he's back at it again. Um, I don't know, you know, okay, so you brought, like, what goes through your mind? Is it that because, you you know, you have been there that long and you've gotten used to the lifestyle, now you come out and you have to figure it all out, you know. Um, There are no more females, you know, you have to find a place to live, you know, is this one of those things where, well, I might as well do it again because I have nowhere else to go. You know, um, family, you know, family can be, you know, and they have a right to be. But family can be distant when you come out. After 40 years, eh, you know, I, you know, just being realistic, I'm not, I don't want you at my house because I don't know what else you, you know, what comes with you coming back home here after 40 years, you know, and, mm. and I'm not saying that, that that's, for everybody's situation, but but your circumstance. And your family knows you, you know. Um, in most cases, family can decide or even think, you know, yeah, he would do it, you know, or yeah, she wouldn't do it, you know. And so now you've got to try and figure it out. So you just decided, okay, well, let me just do something so I end up back there. Or was it, you know, a kind of sort of death wish, like, or is it that you love the thrill of it and so you did it again? Nobody knows his mentality or why he did it, but 
you're done. So at 70, you're going to spend at least 15, you know, and at least minimum 15 years. But nine times out of 10, this is a repetitive thing. So it's going to be more than 15, you know. So it, basically you're done. You're done. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, that crossed my mind, too. You know, they, they have said that, you know, some people have spent large amount of times inside. They don't know how to function. You think about what, what think about it, Tamika. What has happened in the last 40 years? We don't use tokens anymore. Here in New York, let's talk about New York because we don't know about California, but we don't use tokens anymore. You know, it's Metro Card City. Um, all of the, the trains don't look the same anymore. I mean, how many things have changed in 40 whole years that these people really feel like they can come out of jail and still function? Because I'm sure they've heard all the things, you know, that have changed and, you know, some of the things that, you know, that they used to do. A lot of the things that they used to do, they can't do it anymore. So it, it would seem pretty, you know, scary for some people, especially elderly people and elderly people out here who have walked through the process they don't want the change they don't know how to function in the change they are rejecting the change so can you imagine somebody who's actually inside prison for 40 years that's that's pretty that's that's pretty uh, scary for some people Mm. well thank you so much for joining us today i'm going to go grab your girl shanti's See what she has to say, and then we're going to go into our, I guess, topic for today. Good morning, Shantice. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. I'm okay. So, we've got this uh, guy who leaped over the bench at the judge. So now she's given him 19 to 48 months. What do you think about that? Um, I just actually, I didn't see the video. I just watched a video from someone that I follow on Instagram. She was doing some commentary on it. And she was saying something about, um, I guess some people were putting in the comments of a post or something about it, that the judge was either wrong or why did she sentence him, like, you know, something and what she kept saying was, he leaped over, he leaped over. She said, remember when we were in school and it would be that boy who would always walk in the hallway and would always run and hit, like, the top of the exit sign or something? She was like, he, he was that guy because the way he leaped over. And my whole thing was, was where was the bailiff? Where was the, the security? Where and, and this is the first I'm hearing about he actually got that close to pulling alone, rip hair out. I don't think 48 months. How how long is that? Five years? Four years. About four years. Four, four years. Mm-hmm. That's not enough time. Like, you know, what? I, I, I think someone just said it. Like, so I guess you just figure, well, I, I'm going to go out. So let me just do this. And that, that's not enough time. That that was crazy. And that, and that was so intentional. And, again, where were the people... Who's supposed to be protecting the judge? Well, I guess they didn't anticipate that. The the clerk who sits closest to her said that, again, he thought that 
um, he was running for the door, but only to find out that he was actually leaping for her. So, you know, thank God he was at least close enough to her where, can you imagine if they had to come from wherever they were posted to get Mm -hmm. to the two of them, what kind of uh, damage would have been done, so... I don't know. It, this is this is scary because all criminals, pretty much, unless you've proven that you can't be trusted, most um, you know defendants they're at the table with no with nothing. They're not right. they're not handcuffed or anything. So this could happen right. with anybody. Well, that that might change now because you had yes. so well a lot of the times. What we see now is we see the family attacking right. the defendant now, you know, for, for the most part. You know, this is one of the times in a long while we've actually, whether the defendant was um, launching at the attorneys or right. the cops or the dealer for something, uh, we've never heard or really seen them, or I haven't, really go for the judge, him or herself. But there was, if they do, it's at, you know, someone close to that's sitting close to them. But now it may be to where if you're in there for a parking ticket, you might have to sit there with the shackles on your, on your wrists and your, and your ankles because, you know, this, this is crazy. Yeah, they're you not going to be have as to trusting. the protection of the judge, yeah. Well, we'll see how this pans out. We'll see how this pans out. All right, what about this 71-year-old serial bank robber? (laughs) After he spent more than 40 years in jail, he's now back at it, and he's going in again. So did you spend the whole four years in there plotting on getting out and doing this again? (laughs) I, I mean, I can't even think about sitting in Central Booking, because that would kill me let alone being in prison for 40 years only for you. So your plan wasn't that good because how long were you out before you got caught and now you're being sent back? plan wasn't all that good. Um, all the years that you've lost, your only real thought was to come out and do the very thing that had you sitting in there all that time? Well, I guess so. This, this is yeah. why something, something needs to be done in these jails. Because for you to sit sitting there for 40 years and this was your go-to as soon as you hit the streets is crazy. You know what also comes to my, my mind? I think about the fact that they said he managed to get to a bank employee and make them open up the door. And then when he got in the back, he got... $64,000 in cash. So my thing is, well, where, what kind of bank was this? You know, this ain't no New York, because you ain't going to get to no bank mm-hmm. teller out here like that. You're not going to get to them that easily. They're, they're, they're right. not as accessible like that. So can you imagine? That was the one thing that hasn't changed. In 40 years, he was still able to get the money. That there is sad. Because in 40 mm-hmm. years, you think that they did not have the opportunity to get, you know, at least to the, uh, the either one of those the employee or the 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 uh, the teller to give him sixty four thousand dollars in cash. That that's the saddest part to me. 
also, is that mm-hmm. y'all don't even have these people protected where someone who's been in jail for 40 years could still come out and do the same thing so easily. Right. Mm. All right, Shanti, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Ooh. You know, I, I was struggling with what we were going to talk about today, and then I came across an article about Jessica Alba, and uh, she is an actress on the young side. Um, and she has, I think, two or three children. And she says that she she's 42 now. She has three children. She's 42 now. And she said she has, her family has a history of mental health issues. And she has an 11-year-old daughter. She said they were arguing all the time, but it was just about dumb stuff. She said it was nothing really big, and I guess you're only 11. How much, you know, is happening in your world? Um, She said, but it really was very uncomfortable for her. She didn't like it at all, and she said she didn't want to have this wedge between them. She said, so I wanted to read what she said she was fearful of because that's what I really wanted to bring to your attention. She says, she told her daughter, I want to be better, I want to be a better parent to you, and this is your forum to basically talk about everything that gets on your nerves that I do. And what she did was she reached out to a therapist, and she said that, she also said to her daughter, I didn't want us to have a wedge between us as your, as your mother. When I say something that you're going to hear, it's always an argument. And this is what she was telling the therapist. She said every time she said something to the daughter, it always turned out to be an argument. And she said or she felt like the daughter would feel like, you know, she was trying to control her. And she said I wanted there to be someone who could explain things in a way I couldn't. So she opted to go to take her family to therapy, and she said she that would put everything in its proper order. She said that it would put her in check as well. She said she understood that she needed just another level of assistance. Um, she said it gave her a little bit of perspective as well, and she said that She's not the bad guy. She's just being a parent. And she found that it worked very well for her family. Now, I was trying to, the, the little girl, again, that she was battling with all the time was is her 11-year-old. And I think she's the oldest. And I wanted to know what you all thought about that statement. Okay, so, no, she's not the oldest. She she has a daughter. Her kids are six, eleven, and twelve. So that wasn't even the twelve-year-old that she was having the problems with. But I wanted to start off by asking you all, what did you think about that statement? She says, "I'm gonna repeat it." She said, "We were arguing all the time about dumb stuff," and I was like, "I don't want." 
to live like this. This is not fun. She said, I didn't want us to have a wedge between us. And she told the therapist, as her mother, when I say something, she's going to hear it as an argument or as me trying to control her. And I wanted there to be someone who could explain things in a way I couldn't. So I'm going to start with you, Tamika. What's your thought on that particular statement and the fact that she felt she needed to go get a therapist to, um, you know, help her out here? And Pastor K.L. has joined us. Um, she's at a wit's end. You know, she's most likely as a mom, and, and we can talk about any parent who has tried everything that you could possibly do. You know, you tried one-on-ones, let's have a conversation. That didn't work. It ended up explosive. You decided to do a family outing. That didn't work. It ended up explosive. Um, you tried to do a mother-daughter or I don't know what, what uh, gender the child is, a mother-child daughter. You know, it's that a daughter. didn't work. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a daughter. Okay. Mother-daughter yeah. day. That didn't work. You know, you, you, I, I'm, I'm under the impression that she probably also tried, you know, um, you know how you have a family friend who's not necessarily a relative, but someone who's always around the child, you know, to try and reinforce, you know, those ideals that as a parent that you have given. And at this point now she's like, okay, we need to, you know, I, I don't want to, for the rest of our life, always have this issue. I want to get past this so that I can love you as a mom, so that you can appreciate me as a mom. Everything that I'm trying to do, you know, is for you. I, you know, I've heard many parents, especially a mother, say, I live for you. Everything that I've ever done, I do for you. And, yes, you're not perfect, you know, and you do things under the ideal that, you know, the way that you were raised, nine times out of ten, you're going you're gonna to treat your child that way. And so... I did the very best that I can. Now at this point, we need to seek therapy because I don't want to keep going through this. I want to get past this so that I can love you the way that you want to be loved and vice versa. You know, so I believe that she's at a wit's end. And now at this point, this is what I do. Okay, okay. Uh, let's say good morning to Pastor KL. Good morning, Pastor KL. Good morning, Pastor Steph. How are you? I'm okay, thanks. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good, good, good. Well, you've raised your set of children, and as a male uh, from the old school, what do you think about this approach? Well, seemingly, it seems like uh, the, the child is listening to respond, not listening to hear. You know, and, and everything that the mother does, she just wants to respond to it. In, in a negative tone, you know, and, you know, as Tamika says, the, the mother's at her wit, wit's end, and, and you know, you, you almost uh, take your hat off to the mother because through it all, she's still trying to make it better. Now, me on the other side, not so, not so. But she's really trying to, you know, trying to make it work, you know, and, and she doesn't know what else to do, so she wants to have a third party. Not from the old school. There is no third party. The third party is Jesus. And if Jesus can't fix it, it won't be fixed. You know, so, I mean, again, the, the, the child has, has some issues. You know, and then you don't know um, whether she's trying to fix it to make up for some stuff that she's done or lack of. So, you know, it, it maybe the child now 
is at his wit's end. Maybe the child is, I, I, I'm tired of the sorries. I'm tired of going to get better. And it's just not getting better. So you stay on your side and I'll stay on my side. But at that time, the child needs to go find a side because he or she can't have a side in my house. Okay, okay, okay. Shantice, what's your thought? I mean, it takes a lot to now seek outside help, whether it's another family member or you're going to a professional therapist um, to consult with them about your relationship with your children, especially at such a young age. You know, like she's not even a teenager yet, goodness gracious. And, you know, I've been finding myself explaining to teenagers, like, you know, you have to make sure you stay as on point as you can because your teenage life is going to automatically bring, you don't know who or how you're going to be as a teenager. You know, you don't know if you're going to be the rebellious type. You don't know if you're going to be the isolated type. You don't know if you're going to have some type of a balance. You don't know, let alone your parents. You know, so you have to be as on point with school and home as you can because it's going to be some level of bull that comes along with being a teenager. There is no such thing as a perfect or really, really good teenager. And to have to... You know, to be at this point with an adolescent is a lot, you know, and we don't know exactly, you know, everything that Jessica Alba and her husband have, you know, tried to do to where it's just like, all right, this may be the last resort. Let's see what what can be done. And I also do really commend her on that because I know of a few parents around my age, um, but she's not that much older than me, um, but around our age that have really given up on their kids and they ain't really do nothing for them. And I'm like, how are you giving up? Like, you're not the problem. Like, this, this don't make any sense to me. You know, you cannot give up on your child. You cannot complain about your child as if not only, like, you weren't the problem, but you haven't done everything you really could to help to rectify whatever the problems are. You know, so to hear this, it is kind of like, wow, okay, she. I'm not kind of like, but it is, she's really trying to, you know, put an end to the buffoonery and so that they can just have a, you know, well, a more of a well-balanced home and, you know, mother-daughter relationship. And, you know, I, I'm pretty sure she's concerned with the relationship that, you know, she has with her husband, with her father. So it, it is commendable and it is humble, you know, to, to seek help, you know, because a lot of us, you know, it's one thing, it's already hard enough for us to seek help for ourselves now, let alone, you know, your relationship with your children. Okay. Thank you. Well, we have Vivian who's called in, and she's like to uh, contribute to the conversation. Good morning, Viv. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. How are you? Okay, thanks. Okay, thanks. What you got? What's your thought? I don't know if it's just me, but, like, this whole arguing, and when I speak to her, she feels like I'm trying to control her life. That wasn't a thing when I grew up. You ain't arguing with your mama, and you still got all your teeth. 
Mm-hmm. And you're a teenager. You're a child. That's what she's supposed to do. She's supposed to control your life in a sense. Like, if I'm telling you something, it's most likely for your best interest. If I'm, a, if she, if this mom is a decent mom, she's not telling you something that's going to be harmful for you. So they're probably arguing over silly things, you know, that, that the child wants to do and the mom is saying no to. And for us to have to now go pay for a family therapist for us to resolve this, this new age parenting is just crazy. Like, this, that, this that's not making any sense to me. There should be no argument. There should be no arguing with your parent. If I'm telling you something, then it is what it is. If we can't have a decent conversation, then you're, then at the end of the day, the child is being disrespectful, in my opinion. Like, that, to me, that's just too much. And it's this new age parenting where you're allowing your child to have way too much say. That, that, that's why these kids are turning out the way that they are. There's no respect for, for authority. There's no respect for parents. You know, nobody can do nothing, can't say nothing to these kids, or else they get locked up and all this kind of stuff. This is the reason why the world is the way that it is. You know, I, I, I was, you know, when I do the hat to Pastor KL, he's kind of moderate today, Vivian, because mm-hmm. I, I have, that's what I thought Pastor KL was going to say. And he was kind of mild today. Because I have a 25-year-old. Listen here. I'm not going to let, we're, we're arguing at 25, which is disrespectful. But you, I'm, what goes on, what I allow you to do in here is what I allow you to do in my house. I'm still your mother. I can't even imagine one of my three girls at 11. She mm-hmm. already starts off, and that's why I reread it for you all. Uh, Jessica Alba already starts off by saying, we argue over dumb stuff. And I said, when, when I first read it the first time, I said, yeah, well, what else could it be? You're 11. It's going to be dumb stuff because you ain't lived life yet. You don't know what it is yet. And, no, you don't want to be, you know, in this constant back and forth with your child, but already she does not know her boundaries. I agree with you 100%, Vivian. You don't know your boundaries. At 11 years old, for me to be able to say every she's going to hear it as an argument or as me trying to control her, you're absolutely right. She will hear it as an argument. But uh, that's your issue, not mine. I'm sorry. I'm not going to sit up in no therapy for this. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm sorry. I, if I had a million dollars... I'm not going to sit up in no therapy for somebody who's 11, and mm-hmm. it's not really a problem. Now, she does start off, and, you know, by saying because there's some mental illness in her family, you know, she's concerned about that. But that's what would be going to the therapist, her. Right. I need her evaluated to find out if she got a mental illness because she needs her teeth. She needs her teeth to eat. She needs her teeth to speak. And at this rate, it don't look like she's going to keep them. So to keep me from going to jail so that I understand exactly what this issue is that she's going through, because I'm not going through an issue. At 42 years old, I'm raising you. I, as you said, Vivian, I am supposed to, quote, unquote, control your life. You're not a robot. So, we, we, you know, we will allow you to have some say. But I, I agree. This is too much. This is too much at 11 years old. 
this way too much at 11 years old that that we we grew up in an era where uh let me tell you something i never forget one time i went to church and I, i'm remembering this particular dress i had on and i had this dress my grandmother had bought this dress for me so i i remember this dress i had to have been about mm, 16 I had to be about 16 years old about 16 17 years old my mother took me outside that church when I tell you she was grabbing me up, she didn't ripped up the, the collar of the dress and everything. Because whatever she felt I did or said was unacceptable. And she snatched me out of, <laughs> out of the church. We're in church, y'all. And she, I mean, commenced to just taking care of business. Did I like it at 1617? No. But... I got what she felt I deserved, and I'll never forget poor little Uncle Jimmy coming on out there. He gonna take her, take Ernie off me. But that's sixteen, seventeen years old. It was inappropriate, according to my mother. She say, "Well, come on, you know, I'm, I got health insurance for my job. Let's go to therapy." No, I'm in hundred percent agreement. This is just a bit too much. This is a bit too much. How far? Do we let it go? I mean, all of us can go through something where, you know, or a memory where, you know, our parents had some difficulty. And not one of us on this line were perfect kids, like Shanti said. Nobody was perfect, and we don't have any perfect parents. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to – I got you for a quick second as far as I can see, Tamika. And then let's talk about how you were handled when you grew up. I, I went to the era of you do what I say or else. And that for, or else was something to be completely frightened about, you know. Um, you found ways, you know, ways to verbalize what you had to say in a, in a, in a respectful manner. There was no arguing, you know. You try and get it out. If you didn't get it out then, then you learn to shut up and deal with it. You know, and you, you live life, and as you got older, you know, it, it's one of those things when you get older, you say, well, when I get older and I have my children, I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And what ends mm-hmm. up happening is you either project that on your children. You'll either do exactly what was done to you or worse, or you'll refrain all the way from doing what what was done to you or worse. It all depends, you know, and so... But basically, you shut up and you deal with it. Mm-mm. Uh, Pastor KL, you know, you spoke on here about, you know, what you were allowed to do and, and what you weren't allowed to do, and you kind of alluded to it this morning. You know, I'm going to throw this out to you. She said that, she, Jessica Alba said she said to her daughter, I want to be a better parent to you. And this is your forum to basically talk about everything that gets on your nerves that I do. How do you respond to that? I, I don't care what gets on your nerves. I'm not here to be your friend. You know, we're not sitting around singing Kumbaya at 11 years old. You're going to do what I tell you to do. And whether you like it or not, the outcome is you're going to do what I tell you to do. You know, I, I don't understand, again, how these young folks, 
You know, they, they want to hang out with their children. I don't want to hang out with you. I don't want to hang out with my older children. They're into mm-hmm. stuff that I'm not into. I don't want to hang out with you. You know, I, I got children who are 33 years old and down, and we are not friends. You know, we, 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 we have a different relationship now because you're an adult, but I am not your friend. I'm going to always be your father, and I'm going to talk to you and give you advice as a father, not as your friend. Once we get to that point where we are parallel, then you've lost all respect for me. And, and, and now I can't tell you nothing. You know, you asked Tamika, well, how was you handled? I was handled with the hand and anything that she had a handle on, whether it be a pot, whether it be a broom. I had handles, you know, and now you want to talk? You know, I wanted to talk before I got beat. You just want to talk. No, 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 no. I try to talk my way out of stuff. But my parents wasn't talking, and they didn't care how I felt. You either follow the rules, again, you got beat, or you find somewhere else to live. That's the operative um, 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 word right there. Find somewhere else to live. You don't like it here no more? Okay, go away. You know what? Because I got a lot of kids. I'll make another one look just like you. Go away. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness gracious. Mm-mm-mm. All right. Shantese, she says that, uh, you know, this is a, a forum for you to get off your chest and tell me what gets on your nerves that I do. First of all, that's a setup. You ain't catching me with the okie doke. <laughs> the second I start talking, <laughs> now you popping me in my mouth. No, no, thank you. I'll I'll talk I'll talk to my grandmother and my friends about how my mother gets on my nerves. I will not talk to you until I've learned that she's gotten a little older. You might have fibromyalgia. You can't swing as quick. Then maybe I'll let you know how you get on my nerves. But at eleven, twelve, eighteen, no, I was handled like I was my mother's son. Okay, I. Then got bounced off of every wall. I she didn't play with me, okay. And here's what I find very interesting as a millennial, and as a millennial who has other friends who are millennials, and they have children. And a lot of times, you know, we sit and we may laugh and cry about the beatings and stuff we got when we were growing up. And then I sit and I watch them be huge punks with their kids, and I'm like, well, I'm confused. What happened to the upbringing? You know, part of that was to prepare us for when we became parents. And it's this whole, now you resent discipline, because none of us were abused, okay? But you resent discipline so much to the point where you don't like being disciplined as an adult, and now you don't properly discipline your children. And I have to honestly say, I've been hearing a lot of of, um, feedback from people, whether they're my age, older, younger, about their parents, this is why you need Jesus, okay? Because, see, God knew the type of parents I would need. And I I understand that my parent is not my friend. At the same time, I do understand that there has to be some type of friendship because you cannot – it's almost like when God says, fear me. 
he doesn't mean when you hear my name, hide under your covers like I'm the boogeyman. And same thing with, with your parents. If I, if, I, if I fear you like a boogeyman, then there is no type of real relationship here. I despise you. I resent you. I don't want to be around you. And this is a straight dictatorship. And this is whack. And as someone who has grown up with my, my, my parents and I understood, always understood the, um, that the, I, I'm a no-nonsense parent and I'm going to discipline you in private and in public because there was no switching up. You, you get the same thing, whether it's just you and I, whether we're in front of people, um, and understanding that I can talk to you, I can confide in you. Um, you know, I may be a little leery about talking to certain things about you um, to you because at the end of the day, you're still my parent. But there has to be some type of balance, and there is no balance out here now. Now it's just I let you say and do whatever, and then I cry when things don't go the way I want them to go, but I'm your parent, but you're not acting like a parent. And, and, and a lot of these parents are not taking the time to learn themselves and their children to understand the type of relationship that needs to be had. And this is why now you're sitting in therapy with your 11-year-old talking about, well, this is a forum. This is not the forum, okay, because now they're going to always think this is the forum, whether we're in the kitchen at home, whether we're in, in, in the principal's office, whether we're wherever, I'm always feel like this is a forum to let you know how you get on my nerves. And no, you, you have to establish this from when you're pregnant with them, okay, that this is how this relationship is going to go. And you have to be willing to not be a lazy parent and learn what type of relationship has to, you know, transpire between you, you and your child or you'll forever be sitting up in somebody's therapy office. Mm, mm, mm. Vivian, you got a couple of minutes. I don't know if you want to respond to, I still have you on, so I don't know if you want to respond to that statement where she says, you know, mm, I just, you know, want you to have this form so you can tell me what gets on your nerves that I do. I agree. That's why I started laughing with Shantice. That sounds like a setup to me. At least back in my day, that would have been a setup. And you would have never heard the end of it. Whatever you brought up, she would have been bringing up for the rest of your life. (laughs) Every time you got in trouble, every time she beat you, she would have been beating you in the syllables of what you said. So, no. I mean, it's nice. It's nice. I mean, I'm not saying that the way that, you know, my mom brought me up was the, the correct way to bring me up. You know, you do want to give your kids some type of, you know, room for communication and things like that for them to be able to express themselves. And you do want to work on yourself as a parent if you feel as though you need to. But there has to be some type of balance to where this 11-year-old, because I didn't even realize the child was 11. We were saying teenager. That ain't no teenager. That's a child. That's a baby. Like, (laughs) for this child to still be able to show you the level of respect that you deserve as a parent. So, I mean, like I said, it's a a nice thought, but uh -uh. at 11 years old, there's only but so much. Like, what would an 11-year-old be saying to a mom about what gets on her nerves that you do? It will be everything that you do. Your breathing gets on my nerves at 11 years Uh old, especially if I want to do something and you're not allowing me to do it. 
So I wouldn't open right. up that forum that young. No. Mm-mm. And and that's you know that that's my feeling. I'm I'm literally gonna say, here's a forum for you to speak about how I get on your nerves. Well, what what you didn't already? I go back to her saying we argue over dumb stuff. Again, I go back to saying you're 11 years old. What is so you know? Right. Uh, 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 what have you experienced? What do you have to compare something to? You have nothing that you, what, what your friends, what your friends do, what your friends get away with, because that's most times what the comparison is. You know, well, you know, well, so-and-so lets, you know, uh, uh, Mary do this, and, and her mom or her dad lets her do this. I mean, what, what's your, what do you have it to compare it to? You have nothing. And at 11, what do you actually really what have you experienced to say that I get on your nerves? I agree. Everything gets on your nerves at 11 years old because as soon as you want to sneeze and, and do this and mom says no, that's going to get on your nerves. And, again, get on your nerves is pretty broad, in my opinion, and you're not going to tell me mm-hmm. what gets on your nerves. What nerves do you have at 11? <laughs> I mean, to me, even even you introducing that terminology, if the child hasn't said it on her own, even you saying openly, well, you know what, I'm going to give you a chance to tell me what gets on your nerves. What kind of parent are you? So now that makes that mm-hmm. makes me want to hear how, how I, I'm going to doubt myself now as to how I'm parenting. No, I'm sorry. If I hear about how I'm being a bad parent or I'm not doing right by, by no, it ain't going to be from the child at 11. Because, again, how much weight will whatever you say carry? So it, it's, 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 I think you've just really opened up a can of worms. You know, um, like I said, I, my thing is I, I don't want to say I applaud you for, Taking this to a, to a therapist. I'm sorry, not at 11. I, I don't know if I'm there yet. And and from the way I feel right now, no, because like I said, my youngest is 25 and we ain't headed to no therapy. It's time for you to go. Either stay or you go. If I get on your nerves that bad, there is the dough. I, we ain't going to no therapy. So I can't imagine me and my 11-year-old going to some therapy. Again, if there's an issue of we've got mental illness um, in the family and this might be a possibility that, you know, this may be a little deeper than I think, then, yes, I'll send you to therapy. Y'all tell me what y'all think, and then I'll take it from there and see whatever it is that I need to do. But me sitting up in therapy, I'm not doing it. I'm sorry. I'm not doing it, and you're 11. No. And, and and here's my other thing. She has a 12-year-old. So although all children are not alike, you didn't have to go to therapy for the 12-year-old, but I'm going to go to therapy for the 11-year-old. No. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, my due time crew, you always come through, and I thank you. Again, I always say, y'all light it up for me, because I sure didn't have anything that this stuff was was uh, giving me. Thank you so much for your contribution into today's conversation, and we pray you have a blessed day. 
Thank you. You as well. Have a good day, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. Well, it's a Thursday morning, and uh, we're at the top of the hour, as I like to say. And we got pray for them today. What you got for us, Shantice? Okay, this week on Pray For Them, we are praying for Kelly Rowland. Everybody knows Kelly Rowland. She is one of the original members of the infamous group Destiny's Child, along with LaToya Luckett, Beyonce, and Latavia, who was then replaced with Michelle Williams. Everybody knows Destiny's Child. We are praying for her. You know, she is definitely not one of the celebrities, especially considering that she um, started off as a child. You know, they were teenagers, but still a child. Um, never really had her in the tabloids. Never any craziness, never any back and forth with her. And I always admire her for that. Um, very, very talented, very, very beautiful. And I actually came across a, um, I think it was on Facebook. I'm not, I can't remember whether it was on Facebook or Instagram, one of the social media platforms where she was speaking on, I didn't watch the entire clip, but I watched the part where she was kind of speaking on um, her feelings towards, like, when Beyonce, after, you know, Destiny's Child made the announcement that they were um, separating and they were all pursuing solo careers. And Beyonce, you know, really started to pop, you know, in her solo career, and she was feeling kind of down and a little jealous and envious of her, you know, watching Beyonce's career. And immediately I was just like, oh, give me a break. Because, you know, on the outside looking in, you know, we understand, a lot of us understand that it has everything to do with who's backing you. You know, very, 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 very rarely, especially nowadays in the music industry, does it have to do with talent. If you have a strong team, if you are favored by whichever label you are assigned to, that a lot of the times determines your success. Not if you're, you know, if you really had talent or not. But back in 2013 um, is when she first started talking about her feelings towards watching Beyonce's career flourish. And she put out a song called Dirty Laundry, which I was reading a few of the lyrics, and she has some pretty explicit lyrics. So within that song, she was revealing a lot about how she was feeling um, about two things in particular, and one of the things were, was her feelings towards um, Beyonce's success. I'm just reading a few of these lyrics. Um, it says, when my sister was on stage, killing it like a blank, I was enraged, feeling, feeling it like a blank. Uh, she says, birds in, the, birds in a cafe, you never know I was dealing with. Went our separate ways, but I was happy she was killing it. Bittersweet, she was up, I was down, no lie. I feel good for her, but what do I do now? I'm going to live this continue. I was going through some mess. Post-survivor, she's on fire. Who wants to hear my bull? And that didn't just conclude <laughs> the lyrics um, that in regards to how she was ending Beyonce, but then she also went on in the lyrics of the song to speak on, which I didn't know that she was in a really bad abusive relationship. And the guy she was dealing with, of course, we know that 
you deal with abuse mentally, emotionally, physically, and she continued on with her lyrics. Meanwhile, this N-word putting his hands on me, saying, you don't know the half of this industry. I was battered. He hit in the window like it was me until it shattered. He pulled me out and said, don't nobody love you but me, not your mama, not your daddy, and especially not B. And for those of us who know, B is a nickname for Beyonce, which, of course, helped to play on what she was already feeling in regards to watching her sister because they, you know, literally grew up in the same home. Um, You know, watching her sister flourish and her feeling like her career was not on the level as Beyonce's. And then on top of that, now I'm dealing with an abusive man who is now also feeding me this, not only physically, but emotionally and mentally. And, you know, definitely wanted to, to pray for her because, you know, of course, when you're in that industry, that's how you gauge success. You know, how many records has this one sold? How many records have I sold? How many shows and tours have they done? How many shows and tours have I done? You know, am I getting as much notoriety and attention as so-and-so? No, I'm not. So they're successful, and I'm not. Only to not too long after (laughs) she put this song out, she had to end up offering a lot of support. Um, I think also publicly, but I'm pretty sure a lot privately, you know, mentally, emotionally, to Beyonce, because Beyonce had to end up canceling some shows due to exhaustion and dehydration. And when I read that, I was just like, Jesus. Okay. So a lot, <laughs> had you been, Kelly Rowland, had you been, quote, unquote, popping the way Beyonce was, and you were dealing with this abusive relationship, how much more in the limelight would that situation have been? Because now you would have had to try to persevere through what you were going through behind closed doors on stage. And we have been a witness to a lot of these celebrities literally unfolding in front of us, whether it was on stage, um, during a press conference, during an interview, because whatever's going on privately is now unraveling publicly. So here, the person that you are you know, envying and being jealous of shows that she's just as human as you are because, you know, we don't know what else Beyonce or any other celebrity has to deal with on a day-to-day basis. And now here, while you're dealing with what you're dealing with, you now have to offer support to her because of what she's going through. So it's definitely um, also lifting her up in prayer to uh, pay, give some respect to her because through the few different, um, even in the song or different interviews that Kelly Rowland has done, she has never disclosed this ex-boyfriend's name. And I really find that admirable because how many, especially black women, would go through something like that and not expose who the man is. So that says a lot about her strength as well. And she has been married to talent manager Tim Weatherspoon since 2014, so she's been and what seems as to be a healthy marriage for the past 10 years. So thanking God for that because, you know, I'm pretty sure that has helped her to cope and to properly heal from all of her past trauma and self-inflicted pain and everything. So just definitely praying for her, praying for her mental state, her emotional state, um, praying if she has any type of relationship with God that she does what she needs to do to enhance that. If she doesn't, praying that it starts. 
um, praying that a lot of her fans and followers could look at this and just take some tips from this, you know, not to, you know, it's one thing to sit and admire, you know, and be happy for someone. It's another, and it's a very thin line, but it's another thing to be jealous and envious of someone else who is just as human as you are. We have no idea what these people are going through. So the time we're taking to be bitter and feel some type of way about the success of someone, we can take that same energy and use it to sit with God and allow him to heal us and now pay it forward and help others, you know, but definitely praying for her and praying that she continues to, you know, stay strong, not just in the public eye, but also in private. Thank you, Pastor. Do we move past the stuff? Oh, okay. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you for bringing Kelly Rowland to us. We're going to go before God on behalf of Kelly Rowland and others who are like her. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, God, we come before you. And how can we speak to you, petition anything, petition for anything without saying thank you. Thank you, God, for just inviting us into your day. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for another day where you have awakened us with brand new tender mercies, dear God. Also thanking you for waking us up in our right frame of mind, you know, at least enough to be able to speak openly that we're not in some depression and underneath the covers and in the closet and we can't function. So we thank you for whatever you have enabled us to do, God. And, Lord, this morning we're lifting up Kelly Rowland, the Heavenly Father. You know who she is better than we do. We can only go by what we've heard or what we've read. And, Lord, we know that she needs you. Even if the state that Shanti spoke about that seemed to have existed a long time ago no longer exists, she still needs you, as we all do, God. Mm -hmm. Even if that was a feeling of yesterday, we pray to Heavenly Father that those feelings don't get revisited for any reason. Your word says that we are not to covet anything that our neighbor has. And as Shanti said, because we have no idea what's going on behind closed doors. We are always, you know, looking at the grass is greener on the other side, but yet we really don't know what people are enduring, what they're experiencing, how peaceful their lives may be. And after going through all of those emotions and making a song and expressing how she felt and going through so many lows, she actually finds out, God, that it ain't always easy. Living mm-hmm. at that magnitude of attention, living at that magnitude of expectation, living at that magnitude of responsibility, living up to that magnitude of your fans, people that are looking forward to seeing you or expecting so much of you, just having that responsibility of carrying a family. Oh. Mm-hmm. And we pray, God, that she received it even more than we could ever even imagine, that she would have turned to you and just given you thanks, 
that she was now on the encouraging side and not having to be encouraged for that particular reason. That she had come through what she had come through, dear Heavenly Father, only to show how she could be used and not burned out. That she could still serve and serve the very person she was envious of. Dear Heavenly Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you. We thank you because this story has been brought before us. And we're appreciative, dear Heavenly Father, because this is a lesson that we need to learn. That even if we're not feeling this about other people, you know, who are in the industry, but just our neighbor, they have a bigger house, they have a better car, they have more money, they have a husband or a wife, they have a family, that we would just stay away from that and just be grateful. As Paul said, I've learned what it is to have and I've learned what it is to not have. And we're asking Mm -hmm. you, dear Heavenly Father, as people who are believers, as people who have given our lives to you, God, that we could take this moment to lift Kelly before you, dear Heavenly Father. She has her own family. Mm -hmm. She has her own husband, God, and we pray that there's peace that she has found now in this relationship, in this status, at this present time in her life, and that she's not looking across the table to see what anyone else has, that she would take the time to remember that God used me and that she would want to position herself and give her life to you so that you could use her on a larger scale, that you could use her larger and more than she could have ever imagined, that she's not just here to service her husband and her children, but she's here to service this world. That once we give our lives to you, God, We are to now disciple and never knowing that she could actually go back and disciple that same individual that she thought had so much. We ask you to be with her team. We ask you, dear Heavenly Father, to be with her husband. We ask you to be with her children, her family, her parents. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you cover them all and help her to stay focused on how much you've done to her, on how great, big, and amazing you've been to Kelly. Not what you've done Mm -hmm. for someone else, but what you've done for her and how she hasn't even deserved it. Because we know what it is not to be in the deserving category, but you just still give and you give and you give because your mercy and your grace said so. Because your son Mm -hmm. died so that we could have. Thank you. Thank you for sending him. And we know that she could actually be a benefactor of all of your greatness. The treasures that you have with her name on it is more than what she could ever imagine Beyonce having. That having Mm -hmm. a life in you is much better than anything she's seeing Beyonce or anyone have that giving her life to you she would be living in a glorified state Mm -hmm. a justified Mm -hmm. state a sanctified Mm -hmm. state and now at the beck and call of the beehive and the managers and all of the fans and again Mm -hmm. all the expectation that other people have and that she may have put on herself 
but that you would dictate what happens in Kelly's life and she would be mm-hmm. free from experiencing any of that. We thank you, God, for that opportunity. We thank you, God, for that option. We thank you for how many times you've allowed us to reach out and grab what's been sitting there all along, but we've ignored. That we've said no thank you to. That we didn't want. That we didn't think we needed until we actually did. And we used what was accessible to us. Thank you for waiting on us. And we ask you to just be with her right now, that this prayer would reach her right now. She doesn't know us, and she doesn't know that she's being prayed for, but that there would be things that are shifting in her life. Because we know that whatever we're asking for God is is nothing that you don't already want for her life. So we ask you, God, to just start to change things for her. Because we have others, there are others that are asking, asking on her behalf, and that she would be introduced to someone who wants to introduce her to you, even though she Mm -hmm. may have heard about you, but just that introduction, that's an Mm -hmm. introduction above all other introductions, an introduction further than what she's ever even heard of, God. More than what she could even think of. But that would be just a special day, a special time for her. We thank you for this opportunity to not focus on Mm -hmm. ourselves, but to put somebody else in your hands, to bring someone else to you, God. And that we would understand that no matter how much money, notoriety, fame that you have, Until we have you, we are nothing. Until we have you, we are broke and busted. Until we have you, we're not going to truly enjoy life. Thank you, Mm -hmm. Father. We ask you these things and so much more where we have failed to ask. Please fail not to grant. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Shantis. You're welcome. Thank you, Pastor. All right. Enjoy and have a blessed day. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Ah. You know, it's it's amazing how God can use us when we don't even we can't even imagine. That we didn't think that God could use us. That, again, there were times when we didn't even want God. So while she's coveting and being jealous of what uh, Beyonce had, all she needed to do was tap into Jesus. And all that she was looking for, she would have gotten. And that's why I said the other day, you know, I, I, I give God thanks for my growth I give God thanks for all that he has invested in me because I can no longer live by if you've tried everything and everything failed, try Jesus. I I can no longer try everything else before I take it to the Lord. And, And that comes with maturity and growth in the Lord. That comes from having a relationship with God that if not, I could be just like everybody else. 
who's looking at my neighbors who have so much more than I do. And yet I don't, you know, I feel like I don't have that. And, you know, why don't I? And just knowing that God is is all in all and, and whatever he has for you is for you. He says, I have my treasures stored up for you in heaven, waiting for them to be released to you at its appropriate time. Wow. But see, when you're looking at what's going on across the water, you're not thinking about how great and good God is. Just like the furthest thing from your mind. You're not thinking about God and how he how he has uh, so much for you. You're just looking at all the fame and fortune. You know, I, I just don't want to live that kind of life at that magnitude. You know, it, it's good to, you know, it looks good to have all these people hollering and screaming and da-da-da-da-da. And you can say, okay, when you come to my concert, I need you to wear this. All of that kind of stuff. It It, it, it seems like it feels good. But do we really know what a person is going through on the inside? We've had so many people say to us, and that's in the industry or not, that I was walking around all these people, but I was still alone. I was still all by myself. I was still lonely. And they had all these fans, but they were still Lonely And that's a lonely place to be When No matter what you do You still feel alone It's a lot It's a lot It's a lot to experience Because people think that money buys everything Money can't buy you love True love Money can't buy you happiness Money can't buy you peace Money can't buy you joy you know, money can't buy you tranquility, and 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 money definitely ain't gonna get you into the kingdom, because the Bible speaks to that. It's harder than anything when you're a rich man to get into the kingdom. So you don't you don't want to be there. You don't want to be there at all. So just take Jesus at His word. He says, "Try me. Bring bring all your burdens to me." When you're heavy laden and you just can't go any further, that's what I'm here for. That's why I exist. Don't miss that opportunity to get that peace of mind that God wants you to have, to get the life that God really wants you to have. It's nothing like it. When this world is in its tumultuous point, you're the peaceful one. And you're not going to have that just because you're rich. You know, Shanti says all the time, COVID really showed us whether you had a dollar or not, you had no say as to whether you were going to leave here or not. So come on. I invite you to jump on that bandwagon with me and give God your life so that he can show you all that he has for you that no one else can give you. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, 
Be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's past the step signing off, and I want to thank my due time crew who always comes through big time. Mm. Thank you for hanging out with us. Until tomorrow, God spares, where it's Freestyle Friday, and we get to do whatever it is we want to do. Well, talk to the men is what we do. Until then, I love you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.